0: Welcome to episode 15 of Little Muck, a tiny slice of the muck podcast where we talk to people in the media and politics about their favorite stories or experiences. I'm Tina Hadamio And I'm
1: Hilary Dougherty. Hilary, tell us about today's guest. Well, Tina, you know we have the most amazing people on this little muck. Yes. and uh, I'm so excited about today's guest. I can't guest. even believe this person is like a friend of ours. It's yeah. remarkable, and yeah. uh, I'm so <laughs> proud of everything that she does. So let me just give you this little paragraph that will blow your mind. All right, you ready? So Nick Harris currently serves as consumer advocate to the Florida Department of Agriculture and Communi- Consumer Services. She um, works as a senior attorney for the Florida Department of Transportation Um where she has worked for over a decade or had had worked for over a decade as a longtime advocate for the LGBTQ community. Nick serves as a member for the Florida Bar Association's Diversity and Inclusion Committee. She sits on the Board of Governors for the Human Rights Campaign and chairs the Steering Committee in South Florida. Nick also co-chairs the National Community Engagement and sits on the Board of Directors for the Dolphin Democrats and has been a member of the LGBTQ Plus Democratic Caucus and Women in Leadership Council. Oh, my gosh, Nick. <laughs>
2: Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm on the bus. You know, my mom called this morning and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, mom, I'm going to be on a podcast. She's like, what? Like, yeah, so you made me pretty famous in my family. Uh, Hillary, one, one change on that. That's pretty, that's kind of old at this point. So last month. Um, I officially became first black woman vice chair of the human rights campaign board of directors. Mm. So no longer just board of go- governors, excuse me, board of governors. So I'm no longer just on that and um I'm now vice president of the Dolphins. At the time I was oh, uh yes. the board of directors. So a few changes, but that one's a little old, wow. but I'm happy to be here. I'm super excited you all. Oh,
1: oh we're so excited you. you're here too. And as working for the Department of Agriculture, you were the first person um because nikki fried who was the only democrat elected in 20 uh 18 yes. to the top of the of the uh ticket for democrats here in florida and so nikki fried is sitting alone there on that on that on that board with uh, all of those republicans but she campaigned on this and she promised that she would have an lgbtq advocate Um, she would create this position in the Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services and then hired you as the first person to sit in that position. Can you tell us about your very important work there?
2: Absolutely. So I I have to admit this. I tell people all the time when they go, how did you end up at uh, Department of Agriculture? What does that have to do with LGBTQ rights? The key is we are agriculture and consumer services. So a lot of people aren't even aware at ag we're the uh, state of Florida Watchdog Agency, you're supposed to be able to call into our hotline 1-800-HELP-SLA for uh, Spanish Seekers one 800 sla uh, and be able to report discrimination fraud to us. If we don't directly regulate it, we will actually help you find the agency that does and stay involved to get whatever it is resolved. So I, I was super excited and I have to admit, I didn't know all the things we did at agriculture before I got there. I was like, it's yeah. agriculture, right? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, we do, we work with farmers. I get that. But, you know, a lot of people don't think about, we also have licensing. We hand out concealed carry, uh, permits, uh, hemp cultivation licensing. We do the fresh from Florida, uh, marketing and development when you go into stores to highlight local grown products. We regulate state farmer's markets. We regulate fairs. Uh, The coolest thing I found out, and I'm still trying to figure out how I can segue into that, we have folks that regulate the fairs and the theme parks. And once a year, they got to go to Disney and Universal and ride all the rides. (laughs) I am still trying to figure out how to actually get into that job. Um, That's the job that I actually want to do. But we also, we have forestry, animal industry. Uh, We cover plant industry, dairy industry. So you sort of name it. We run again. and then we also um, handle school lunch programs, which really mattered when we saw our schools closed, uh, that we continued to make sure that program was in place so uh, families could still feed children where they needed it. So it's it's a lot of wonderful things we do at, at, at that
0: That's incredible. A lot of things I didn't think about at all. As far as well, agriculture, absolutely. you know,
1: well, and also because we live in South Florida. So we're not, you know, Northern Florida. I mean, there's a lot of farming down here for sure. But like Northern absolutely. Florida, Palm Beach.
2: That. Yeah. And if you go west, you see that a lot mm-hmm. here. Um And also right there, you start looking at um, Palm Beach. And, and it's really we have a lot of farms and we have some right here in Daisy and, and other places. So South Florida isn't isn't missed on any of that. And I had to explain to my own partner, Jazz, one day, because I was like, you know, you see Commissioner Free's, uh stickers for her and used to see her face on the, the gas pumps. What are we doing? Yeah. We we check scales. We, we check weights. We make sure when you pump a gallon of gas, it's not half a gallon. Uh, wow. We also pull skimmers from those to make sure when you leave, somebody's not at Gucci, you know, <laughs> buying a bag off of you. So it's a lot of cool things that we do.
0: Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Oh, my goodness. So, Nick, as a longtime community advocate, what changes do you hope to see in Broward County?
2: Oh my gosh! Well, I'm excited because we're going to have a new chair. Yeah, uh, oh, we, yes. we know that's coming up. We know we're going to get a new chair, and and I think um, no matter who wins, we're going to get some uh, incredible leadership mm-hmm. that I that I think is actually uh, needed. I I think it's time for us to address the community that we look that we live in, mm-hmm. uh, and there, and there have been a lot of misses. So. Uh, I'm I'm excited and very proud to live in Broward County. We are still the bluest county in the state of Florida. But uh, we definitely saw some warning signs this election and past elections. And it's clear that uh, when we see the margins with which uh, Joe Biden ended up losing Florida and we look at what happened here in South Florida, it's time for change. So my my hope is that the folks running uh, seem to have a very good understanding and grip on You know, how do you become a swing state? What we saw happen in Georgia does not happen overnight. It is years of putting in a process, and and that starts with community organizing, working with activists, our political leaders, and actually organizing in a way around the the communities uh, that are right here. And we have such a mix of, you know, communities here, whether it's our Caribbean communities and so forth, our Hispanic communities. We have a lot of work to do, a lot of outreach, and, and I'm not going to give up on Florida. I'm born and raised Floridian, and so I think whatever we do in Broward can mirror what can happen in the rest of the state. But I, I for sure think we need uh, a change at the top.
1: Yeah. For so sure. I mean I feel like I I hear you too. Like I wasn't born in Florida but we came, we moved here when I was pretty young. So like Florida, I will defend this this swampy ass state till the end. <laughs> I feel like. But dang, it's hard sometimes. It's hard sometimes. It's hard. It's hard as hell. Like
2: we you know, I, I told I told Jazz the other day, I was like, you know, sometimes I I, I get sad, too, and, and I'm born and raised. I love Florida. I get it. We're backwards. We're crazy. Yeah. Every time there's a crazy story, you could pretty much guess it happened in Florida <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yes. if it makes national news. But but the truth is, we still have to stay here. We can't all leave. We've got to fight for our state. But I, I had a, a, a crisis of conscience where I'm like, It's like a breakup. Sometimes I felt like with this past election, am I wanting more for you than you want for yourself? Mm. I've been asking myself that question and it's really it's a hard one. But I I truly believe that people do want better. And I don't think what we saw with the election of Donald Trump or what we saw with this past election is indicative that folks want um, more conservatism. I think we don't have a message to match the needs that people have. Mm -hmm. And if you're not speaking to their needs, then people are going to keep going in either with no direction or simply looking for radical change. So uh, one of the things I found interesting was after we suffered such a loss that you could still see these articles across the country where people were saying, you know, Dems have got to push back towards the middle. We've got to continue Mm -hmm. reaching out to uh, more of our white voters. I think that's a mistake. I make no apologies for being very progressive. And I think the facts don't fit that. I don't think we have enough progressive candidates. I don't think we had an answer for uh, the the socialism right, uh, messaging right. that was out. Yep. But don't tell me that we can't do it because we saw Daniela Cava do it yes. right there in Miami yes. mm-hmm. where, you know, she was saying there's nothing radical about healthcare. There's nothing radical about a a, a city, a county, I think even a state taking care of its citizens. That's what you're tasked to do. And so we've got to stop this foolishness. And I really think it's that, where we're saying, you know, we've got to move to the middle. I don't believe that at all. People care about health care. These communities care about um, wages. Why did we see so many dims in the middle lose? But yet we saw a $15 minimum wage pass. Right,
0: right. Why
2: do we see... That, that's the kind of, why do we see Amendment 4 pass? Mm-hmm. These are the things I continue to say when we see a Michelle Rayner, when we see mm-hmm. a Chevron Jones, when we see Kava Winnie. This, the, this tells me something about those folks, and it's a real message, because you can't pretend to be progressive. You can't pretend to care about people. These folks are in the community day in and day yeah. out doing the work, and the voters rewarded them for it. And so I think there are lots of folks like that. We've got to get behind them and we've got to get our messaging on point and work with actual community organizers and activists in the community and we can get our state back.
0: Oh, I would love to have our state back. And I think you're right about oh, the messaging um, and, and shifting the, the messaging. Do you have any, I guess, thoughts on what you think needs to be refocused most in the messaging Uh, you know you talked about like the that was the big thing with Miami with um, that socialist message what would have been ways I guess to maybe counter that because I feel like that was sort of the excuse of like well they really hit hard that socialist message but there didn't seem to be a a plan to counter that message.
2: Well, Let's be honest and you all know this and and I know we probably have to say it for our viewers but We were hearing that, right? We were hearing that the message in the Hispanic community was not the right message, that it's not a monolithic community. And we knew that there weren't answers. So none of that was news to us. I also think we need to stop acting like we have to reinvent the wheel here. (laughs) We just keep going back to places that where it's not successful as a black woman. I can tell you, there's no job I can have or keep where I'm not successful at the job, Mm. I am so, it's so strange to me that in democratic politics in Florida, you can keep failing and keep your job. It's simple. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> I mean, that, that just defies logic to me. Yeah, it's totally. not working. And if it's not working, you can't keep your job. Yeah. When we look at how, how did Arizona turn? Are we looking at Arizona? We had folks right here in South Florida in those communities saying the messaging is wrong. There's a counter to this. And we knew those dollars weren't being invested there. We knew that the Biden team was late getting in there on that. Mm -hmm. These were things we were all hearing in the community, but yet it seemed like everybody could see it happening Mm -hmm. and no one seemed to be in place to sort of stop it. So I think we have some of those answers. I also think it looks like, again, going back to the community. I go, what else do you need to do? I look at black communities and go, can you have a more reliable voting bloc Ooh. than black women? Jesus. I mean, so even at this point, it's like, can we finally invest in the community? Yes. Can we invest yes. in the leadership of black women? Because I go, I we understand that we lost black men, some black men, but let's also be clear eighty percent and upwards of black men still supported Democrats. Yes. So as we keep sort of this this message where I have to stop people and go, No, we're not the problem. Black community is not the problem here. And also, I think we for sure can get those men back if we invest in the community and show up, not show up right before it's time to vote. Asking for something and we're not there throughout the year, every year, year in, year out, day in and day out. I think that's the easiest fix right there is truly investing in the leadership in that community, putting dollars in those communities, doing outreach, and education, and we can get those communities back. And that, that's where I'm focused. We saw we got young people with this election, so they were understanding the message and, and refocus our efforts on the environment, criminal justice reform, health care, and really show that it matters in these communities and start at our local levels and go out there and then Broward specifically go out west and we know the work that we need to do. We can get it done. I, I don't think it's any, anything we're missing. We honestly just aren't doing that work.
1: Well, Mm -hmm. and the most frustrating part for for me and I'm sure for Tina is that we did see black women coming out. I think it was ninety five to ninety eight percent of black women voted for Biden. I mean, it's incredible and it happens time and time again. And the most frustrating part is like, when is I hate to say the party, but like, when is the party going to get on board and, like, acknowledge the importance of trusting black women to lead, trusting their voice in the community, not waiting till the last, like, what, why... I hate to ask you this question and I, it's a burdensome question. I hate to put it on you. I'm so sorry, but like, what is the problem? Why is this? It's the numbers don't lie. So like, why is it taking so long to acknowledge this thing? We watched Stacey Abrams and quite a number of other black women, grassroots organizers in Georgia flip that motherfucking state. How the hell? Do you see that and not start to acknowledge in some way shape or form the importance of trusting black women to lead and knowing their communities knowing that what's best for the for black what black women are saying is best for the community is best for everyone right so like what is it going to take why is this not happening on a party level or you know in in the United States in general i guess
2: Well it, it, you're you're right what i can say is I want to be clear here. I don't think anybody denies the power of black women. Mm -hmm. The problem I see is we continue to want to use black women as workhorses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We want your labor. We want your political um, organizing and efforts of turning your community out but we don't want you in leadership positions. Okay, yeah. We don't want what comes with that. So, and this is the thing, the nature of black women in that vote is we will continue to come out. We will continue to save this republic. We will continue to push our community to vote and we are reliable, but now it's sort of pushing people to understand after we've done that work, you can also count on us and our vision and you can count on us, our principles and our commitments. And you've got to lean into that. We can't just be the labor. <laughs> we yeah. can't just do that and not be the leadership as well. And so that's where the big push is coming from now. And and I think more now than ever, I, I hope I'm seeing the tide turn on that. Um, because we, we know that when Black women um, not just organize but lead, you're right. We all win. Mm-hmm. We, we saw that, especially with Stacey Abrams. But once again, I go, as much as we acknowledge Stacey, we still were questioning Stacey's leadership. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. When Stacey proudly was fighting to be vice president, and and I'm so excited about Kamala, I was excited about the you know the potential of Stacey Abrams. Mm-hmm. I could not believe some of the, the nastiness and the mm-hmm. comments that I saw Um when people were referencing her and also Kamala. So it's sort of this standard that we we hold black women to and black people to. Um, mm-hmm. that, that really needs to stop. And so my hope is that we are going to demand. We saw it happen with that vice presidential pick. We knew it was going to be a woman, but we quickly started to understand it appeared that it was going to be a black woman. And I couldn't believe the comments and, and articles I saw on that. Why did we just have to give it to a black woman? I was like, what do you mean give it to a black right. woman? Like, you know, black women have proven themselves time and time again, like we continue to save the republic called America. And so we've seen this for hundreds of years. It's not going to stop now. Why did, why did black women receive the right to vote 45 uh, years after white women? Mm-hmm. When we understand we are often relying on black women in those movements, but at the end of the day, we're willing to leave them away from those power tables where they can actually make decisions that affect our community. And that's got to change.
1: It has to change. Yeah. And there's got to be a way even – I mean, listen, we do this podcast and we did two stories today where it was like, it, you know, acknowledge – like it'll come out later. But still, it's like these, <laughs> we, we've we've done these stories where – you've never le- heard them in your history books in right. school and it's like massacres of black people running a city, Bla- massacres of black people just wanting labor rights. I mean, this has been going on since the 1700s, since the 1800s. Right. It's it's a conversation that even goes beyond like a voting, a, a black woman being a leader. It's like there's something, there's this bias that still exists in
2: everyone we have a bias against women
1: that's true and then then, add on to that of course the bias
2: against black women
1: yes and so there has to be a conversation even about like why don't you think that like i i even saw things where it's like well biden could win but not with a black woman as vice president right and it was like this this total ridiculous stigma and and idea and bias that that needs to end but those things also happen with those conversations i mean why when we talk about the socialist message that was going out in Miami, why was that? I mean, there were there were activists and organizers down there r- like waving red flags to the party for months and months and Absolutely. months saying this is a problem. And no, and one, yeah, nothing happened. But we no, saw it in
0: the 2018 election, too. Right.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. Absolutely. Like, there, yeah, there's the thing about people still having a job after all this time. It's like it doesn't make any sense. to yeah, me. Yeah, no,
2: I mean. By by the way, I guess black women missed that memo that, that Biden couldn't win with a black woman. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just Stupid. foolishness. Yeah. They should have sent that to us. We did not know. I mean, that is <laughs> crazy. And, and I knew when I, she's part of the D- Divine Nine and she's an AKA. And I, I just knew already. I was like, oh, they're in trouble. I mean, that's the truth. I knew black women were going to turn out and turn out big. And again, this thing that we keep talking about Black women have a progressive agenda Mm -hmm. and that is what we need to continue to cater to. Why? Because I think over half the women in exit pollings, if you can trust it, what was the number one issue for black women? I think at about 52% rate, it was the pandemic Mm -hmm. and healthcare. I mean, and so I, I just like black women never lose focus of what, what the end game is like, And I keep saying this, but, you know, when we kept talking about and I think it was Claiborne and also, you know, the late John Lewis that started initially talking about this was a battle for the soul of America. To me, this had nothing to do with Joe Biden in the sense Mm -hmm. um, that black women understood something was happening to our republic. Something was happening in America and we already knew it was rotten and it was like. How do we keep America trying to live up to what it, its claims and what we claim to be? You know, black people, especially black women, understand justice is not blind. Freedom is not free. Right. But we also understood that um, we get to choose our leaders and leaders don't get to choose their voters. Mm-hmm. And so we knew that if we could just show up like I worked a pre- precinct, mm-hmm. you knew this. And I told the story that every car that showed up there, it was a basically 100 percent black precinct it was women. And it was women I saw repeatedly come back and they brought their daughters and their nieces and their cousins and everyone else back to vote. And there was nothing new about that for me. I remember being in high school and my mom talking about how I needed to register early. So when I turned 18, I'd be able to vote and casting that first vote at the time for Clinton administration. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom, I remember my mom and my aunt talking to me about why it was important for women to have control over their bodies, why we had to care about other people, even though my parents had fought to move us into the middle class, it was always important that you remember who you were. I I remember being sworn into the bar and um, we're in court and my grandmother, she called me over and I'm like, yeah, grandma and she grabbed my collar. This is a real story and she Mm -hmm. says, Don't you ever forget where you come from. I don't care that you're now a lawyer. You speak to everybody from the person that cleans your office to the head of that place. It doesn't matter. Don't you ever forget where you come from that's ingrained in so many black folks. And so we keep trying to bring everybody else with us and, and and we're fighting that sort of uphill battle, but we must never forget the power of black women. Black women don't lack vision. We lack opportunity. And that's what I'm hoping we can sort of, I get to change in this current administration and at local government level mm. or not?
1: Well, I wanted to ask you about that. So as a black queer woman, uh, how did it feel to see Michelle Rayner here in Florida win a House seat um, as a black queer woman, the first black queer woman yeah. to be elected in the state of Florida to a to a House seat? How did that Feel did that give you hope for like this is the I mean I know oh it's the God. first it's taken way too long we saw we saw Chevron Jones also the first Black gay man to be elected to the state yes. Senate like these were huge wins in Florida we had a lot of important losses but like these were huge important wins how did that feel to see even yourself reflected um, at a state yeah, level like absolutely.
2: that absolutely it was indescribable mm. I mean I cried real tears I Aww. I told someone not just with Michelle but also with Kamala that it was a like to, dis- to describe what it felt like when Obama won was one thing, but to see myself reflected in these black women that won, it hit me in such a profound way mm. that it was it truly, for me, meant you can do anything.
1: Yeah,
2: you absolutely can do anything, and I'm um, I'm so proud of Michelle. I'm proud. I'm not surprised. She's the first. She won't be the last. Mm -hmm. And what we've got to do is just engage these incredibly talented black women who are always invested in community, normally fighting for wages, fighting Mm -hmm. for, you know, reproductive freedoms. We've always done this work, but now it is getting us convinced that it's okay to wade into the muck, so to say, (laughs) and, and start really running for office and building an infrastructure that's going to support these women doing that um, so i again i'm i could not be prouder of um, rep rep rayner mm. and of senator jones and they are just more to come they mm. are the first of what i believe is going to be many in this state
1: I think so too, and I also yes. think like think about how uh, we're 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 all not in our young teens, but could you imagine being speak for yourself? <laughs> speak for yourself. I have no I
2: idea want- what you saying. <laughs> I just turned twenty two, folks.
1: <laughs> but could you imagine yeah, what like it is if you're girls. a young black queer yeah. girl in middle school or like high school, and like I know, to it's see incredible. they won't they really won't know any other. I mean the road will still be difficult let's not pretend like it will like it's going to be easy but they would see the possibilities yes. that exist because of this election yes. and that to me is just priceless it's 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 incredible to see that those wins could happen here especially here yeah, in Florida especially I mean in Florida. it's amazing uh, we have a lot got a lot I, of work to do in Florida
2: <laughs> I see it in the eyes of my niece who I took to the first debate that were held in Miami and we ended up getting a picture with Kamala. Mm. And so now, when, when my niece called me, my sister actually called first and she said, Your niece has been just glued to this whole election, just Aww. updates me all the time on Kamala. So when we met her, and the fact that um, Vice President Harris, let's just go ahead and say that. Oh yes. my God, Vice President Harris I love the sound um, of it. literally took my niece aside and poured into her and took like five minutes after the debate was over. We went up just to get a picture, and she stopped. My niece is Abriel. She just turned 13. She was 12 at the time, and she just began to pour on her, and she was like, you are a beautiful, beautiful young Black girl, and you can do absolutely anything. The possibilities are endless, mm-hmm. and the the profound effect that has had on my niece, I'm so thankful for that. So I, I know firsthand what that what that has meant to young black girls to see them to see themselves in them and I I just want more of it I I think about what the squad I mean means to you know young 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 women of color across the country when we start to understand what what a soon-to-be hopeful um Governor Abrams is going to mean to Young black girls. I mean, it's just, it's profound when we look at it. Keisha Lance Bottoms, you see this across the country, whether it was Charlotte, um, New Orleans, Atlanta, We, we see these incredible black women taking office and it just makes my heart rejoice. It's, and that's why I want this party in order, so we can get more of it.
0: Yes. Oh, my God. That was beautiful. Oh, you beautiful. got us in tears I know, over we're, here. know. We're here, like, staring at each other in tears.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I love, love that
0: story. Gosh. Yeah. Well,
2: Absolutely. And the fact that it's not just representation. We know representation matters. It's the fact that we know, with the election of these women. That it is real change mm. for the majority of folks, for yes. working class folks, yes. for poor folks. That, that's who, like that, that's the truth. When black women lead, everyone rises. Mm. Yes. That across the board. And that's what we really don't really uh, talk about and invest enough in to say these are all issues. Low wages are issues that affect all families, you know, right. in, in the majority of families, put it that way. Healthcare you know, that should be a right and not a privilege. I I don't think there's anything progressive. And I stand by that about choosing life over death. You shouldn't have to decide whether or not you live or not based on your income. I think something's really wrong with that. And when we start changing the narrative and say, this is what progressivism is, I like, that's crazy to me. That's not a progressive idea. And it's Mm. not
0: progressive. And I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but I read an article. It was from someone from Europe that was like, you know, America doesn't have a left. It has a right. And it has a far right because the issues of healthcare education in most other countries are available. Right. And the idea that this is a progressive issue in America, they find really shocking because they don't consider that a left, you know, they're like, there is no left. What are you guys even talking about when they, when they even look at, you
1: know, um, our parties. Yeah, but could you imagine which I found really you yeah know, interesting. Could you imagine if that that was never up for debate? Education yeah. and healthcare. What else would we be talking about? Like there we wouldn't have to Absolutely. debate yeah. these issues anywhere. They should just be. It should right. just be the thing. That's it. Period.
2: Yeah. I agree. Nothing there's nothing radical about giving people a decent education nice. and providing them basic healthcare. There's nothing. I I think the way we currently uh, politic is really radical. The fact that it seems like we've embraced sort of a Gordon gecko political (laughs) structure like that. Literally, every time I saw Donald Trump, I was like, this guy is Gordon Gecko. Like, what is this? (laughs) Greed is good. I I guess I'm dating myself right now um, (laughs) in saying that. But literally, it's this idea that greed is good. and, And if you're if you're lucky enough to have made it, into the top then you get decent health care right. and access to education and clean water and good food and, and, and housing that well, is absolutely it's, absurd it's yes. wild
0: and our 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 culture too is just this idolization of people with wealth that somehow because you know oh. you were born into yeah. wealth that somehow you are better um, and deserve more than other people and that always blows my mind like I it Mm-mm. just you know, um, and that's why some of the electeds that we have that are from working class, middle class families is so important too. That that access to these seats should not just be right for wealthy people, right? Uh, you know, absolutely. The, so
2: elitism, yeah, it's killing our, it's killing both parties. It is this yeah. idea that it is killing both of our parties. It's sucking the air out. You know, I I will say this. I I didn't attend Ivy League schools. I am a proud graduate of. Florida A&M University, sitting on the top of the highest of seven hills Mm -hmm. in Tallahassee, Florida, historically black college and university. I then went to law school at Florida State University. I'm very proud of my state education. And when I, you know, but I watch it even in the political circles that I run in where it's like, oh, here we go with the Ivy League conversation. Who's in, who's out? And I just think it's super problematic. And and again, we're going to see that change. When we start convincing more of these folks to run, and then we have the structure in place to support them so they can win when they mm-hmm. run, yes. because we will all get better.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I, mean, I mean, here's what I know. In, I know this much: having Nick on this podcast, people around the world will learn what a what a lucky state we are yes. how lucky the two of us are that we know her yes and uh <laughs> that the world is just blessed to have you in it i'm so proud of you nick i'm so happy that you were able to do this today with us
2: yes, i feel like so that much. i'm on the mug. like i gotta <laughs> come on i'm telling you i'm literally like a guy like nina roby i'm like wait i'm gonna be on the mug. i i have been listening to you guys since you started Aww. it's so amazing what you do i thank you so much because i know this Um, I consider you both friends. I know the work you do. I know that when you talk about this stuff, it's not just talk, you live it. You walk the talk. You literally reach out in these communities. You've supported me in anything I've wanted to do. You lend your voice, your time, your talent, your treasure. I always say that. You actually live it. And so I'm super proud to be on here. I feel like I've made it. I can just, um, (laughs) I can stop now. This is it. So I appreciate that. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much and have a wonderful day. Give our love to Jazz.
2: Absolutely will do. Thank you.
1: All right.
2: Bye. Bye.
0: If you want to learn more about this week's guest, please follow the episode notes on our blog at themuckpodcast.fireside.fm and be sure to follow us on Instagram and
1: Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Dougherty.